Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Continuing our series of podcasts called Shields Up, I want to talk more about perspective. This past Sunday, we talked about a perspective of forgiveness. We looked at a passage in Luke chapter 7 where there's three main characters. There's Jesus, there's this Pharisee named Simon, and then there's a sinful woman. And in this story, Jesus goes over to this Pharisee's house for dinner, and this Pharisee doesn't show any love or kindness to Jesus. But the sinful woman comes in, and she's been forgiven of her sins by Jesus. And she comes behind Jesus by his feet. She kneels down and just begins to worship him. She cries and wets his feet with her tears and wipes his dirty feet with her hair. She kisses his feet repeatedly. She anoints her feet, excuse me, anoints Jesus' feet with, with ointment. And so in the, in the passage, we have this contrast of two different characters treating Jesus very differently. And Jesus tells us parable in that passage to sort of illustrate what's going on. And then the parable, he said there's two debtors. They both have the same creditor. And in this parable, both debtors are canceled their debt by the creditor. One owed 50 denarii, the other one owed 500 denarii. It was 10 times the amount of the other guy. And after telling the parable, Jesus said to the Pharisees, said, Now, Simon, which of these debtors will love the creditor more? And Simon said, I suppose the one who had the larger debt canceled. And Jesus said, You have judged rightly. And for the rest of the time, he sort of contrasts Simon and his lack of love with a sinful woman's love. And really what he was getting at is that the woman had the proper perspective of forgiveness. And because of, she, because of that perspective, she loved and worshipped Jesus much. Versus Simon, who didn't really love Jesus at all because he didn't feel himself in need of forgiveness. And so really the entire passage is talking about having the proper perspective. Simon's perspective was way off. The woman's perspective was spot on. And because she had the proper perspective, she loved Jesus which all of us should be doing if we have that perspective. And Simon had a completely wrong view of things, and therefore he didn't love Jesus. He didn't consider Jesus worthy. He didn't consider Jesus important to his soul. And I want to keep that going today as we talk about keeping our shield up of faith against the devil, because as we know, the devil does all that he can to pervert our perspective. And that's what we want to look at today is how do we keep a proper perspective in the Christian life I don't know if you're like this. I tried to think of an illustration. <laughs> but one of the ways I have an improper perspective in life, not even in the Christian life, just in life in general, is when I'm driving. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if you're like me in that way. But it's like when I get into my car, I, I become a very impatient individual. I'm not road ragey, but I am an impatient person when I drive. And I've noticed that. I don't like delays. I don't like hangups. I don't like people who get in my way. I don't like traffic jams. Um... If I experience that kind of stuff outside of my car, I'm a pretty patient person. I've noticed myself that I'm, when I'm in a store and someone's, you know, will pull their cart in front of me. I, I don't, I don't get impatient with that person. I'm, I'm very kind. I say, hey, no worries. Um, if I have to wait in line, you know, unless it's excessive, uh, in a store waiting for the cashier, I'm not, I'm not impatient that way generally. But as soon as I get into my car, it's like I lose all perspective, <laughs> and I don't want any sort of hiccups along the way. I don't want anybody getting in my way. I don't want any sort of traffic. I don't want any delays. I want to get to my destination at the exact time I think I should. Are you that way? I don't know why the perspective is so off, but when I get into a traffic jam, especially, I get so frustrated and I have no idea how long the traffic jam is going to last. I mean, it could be a couple minutes. 
It could be up to 15 minutes. And my day isn't affected that much by a 15-minute delay. But when I get into a traffic jam, I lose all perspective. And I start seeing my day completely improperly based on that one delay. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about today is when you have a wrong perspective, you don't see properly, you don't think properly, you don't act properly. And the devil loves to steer us in a certain direction. Because if he can steer us in a certain direction, if he can do it well enough, if he can cloud our vision, if he can pervert our perspective, then he, we, we actually don't even know where we're going at that moment. We don't even know we're going the wrong way. And if he's able to do that well enough, he doesn't really have to do much after that. If he can pervert our perspective, if he can cloud our vision, if he can do that well enough and we're on the wrong course, but we don't know we're on the wrong course, we're acting what we believe to be perfectly justifiable in our life. I think the devil just lets us go. And our actions are going to follow our wrong perspective for who knows how long. It could be a day. It could be days. It could be as long as years. If we don't have the right perspective in the Christian life, our actions are going to follow and those actions are going to be bad. And that's kind of what I learned from Simon in the tale in Luke chapter 7. The man's perspective was off. His actions followed. Versus the woman, her perspective was right on and her actions suited that right perspective with right actions. And so talking about keeping a right and a proper perspective today, if our perspective of Jesus isn't one of these three things, if our perspective of Jesus isn't that he's crucial to our soul, I don't think we'll have the right perspective. If our perspective of Jesus isn't that he's the most valuable thing we could ever experience, I don't think we'll have the right perspective. If our perspective is not that Jesus is the very nature of our life and hope, our perspective is going to be wrong and we're not going to love Jesus much at all. We're going to love him very little or not at all. And when we enter into that Christianity, it is a very dangerous Christianity. When Jesus isn't crucial, when Jesus is not the most valuable thing we could ever experience, when Jesus is not the very nature of our life and hope and livelihood, then we slip into a very dangerous Christianity. And that is what I'm talking about, the devil steering our course. When he steers our course, he gets our perspective off. We think we're going the right way, but we're not. He doesn't have to do much after that. And sometimes I think we give the, we give the devil a little bit too much credit. Sometimes in our life, I think we're just acting based on the lack of discipline that we allow ourselves to have. And we, we say, the devil makes me do it. The devil is attacking me. The devil is tempting me. He might be, but maybe he's just steered us in the way he wants us to go. And we have done our due diligence to correct that course. I want to look at two different categories today, and that's really all I want to do. I want to look at how does the devil pervert our perspective. And I want to end that with another category. How do we get or gain the right perspective and even keep the right perspective for the rest of our Christian journey. I want to look at seven things that the devil does and I want to look at seven things that we need to do. And I'm going to start with him. How does the devil steer our course, give us a wrong perspective so that we simply are aimed at a wrong destination and when we do, we go wrong for a long time. Here's one thing that he does, starting at number one is the devil loves to highlight the value of everything else. Yes, I do think he likes to devalue Jesus, but that often looks like a red flag. 
if he will come to us and say, you know what, Jesus really isn't that important, most of us are not going to listen to that because that will sound so shady. But what he has to do is he has to deceive us. And the best way to deceive us is not to devalue Jesus, although he does that also in different ways. One of the ways he deceives us is by highlighting the value of everything else. I don't know if you've ever done that with a picture on your phone. You've pinched to zoom. And when you pinch to zoom, you focus in on something in the picture. Well, if you pinch out and you see the entire picture, you get a perspective of the entire picture. But when you pinch in, you focus on one thing. And I think the devil loves to do that. He loves to take things of this earth into a macro level. He highlights them. Or he pinches in to zoom on those things and says, there, this thing right here is really important. It could be anything. It could be things as good as family. It could be things as silly as our hobbies. It could even be sin. But what he loves to do is he loves to highlight and zoom in on the, the value of everything else. Because if we will value everything and anything else, just by the very nature, we will devalue Jesus. Jesus will slip back a few places. He will get lost in the mix. We will lose sight of Jesus because we are looking at the value of earthly things. And the devil loves to do that. And that's why Jesus warns us all the time to not love the world or the things in the world. Because we often slip into that perspective to go, wow, these things are really valuable. Man, job, that's what it's all about. Family, that's what it's all about. Memories, that's what it's all about. Money, that's what it's all about. My hobbies, my desires, my dreams, that's what it's all about. That stuff is really important. No, it's not. It's not. Because it's temporal. And if it's temporal, it is not that important. If you have to take whatever that thing is and it doesn't fit into eternity... If it only fits into 60, 70, 80 years, it's not that important. Only things that are eternal are that important. But what the devil does is he zooms in and he highlights and he says, there, right here, this thing right here is really, really important. Look at the world. They're doing it. Everyone thinks this is important. You need to also. And when he does that, he steers our course. And when he steers our course that way, boy, sometimes we just go on that path for years before we take a look at Jesus and go, wait a minute, what am I doing? And I've, I've done this. I was on that path for 20 years. I was highlighting the value of everything else. I lost sight of Jesus. Who knows where he was? He was just in the mix of my life. He wasn't number one. And I was just on this course for a long, long time. And I don't think the devil really had to do a lot after that because I was going the wrong way. And I didn't even consider that I was going the wrong way. That's number one. Number two thing that the devil does to pervert our perspective is he makes us busy. He cramps our life with a lot of different things. And this is so American because in America, we equate busyness with success or with doing the right things. We feel good when we're busy. We feel productive when we're busy. And the devil loves that. He, he loves that we feel that way. So what he's going to do is he's just going to fill our lives so that we don't have time for stuff. We don't have time for the word of God. We don't have time for prayer. We don't have time for those disciplines that would really help us keep a proper perspective because Listen, I just don't have the time. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm busy. I have six children. I'm a pastor. I have a lot going on in my life. And I can excuse a lot of things just by saying I'm too busy. And if the devil can cramp our lives enough, we simply won't even look up. We'll just go and go and go and go and go. Think we're going the right way. Never question it. Never consider it. Never look up. Never look to Jesus. Think we're very productive. And one day we'll wake up and have no idea where we are. So all he has to do, cramp our lives. 
Not even with bad things. Not even necessarily with sin. Just with stuff. So that we don't have any time to think. We don't have any time to consider. We don't have any time to make our disciplines, to even get to church. Because we're just so crazy busy. Do you see how slippery that slope is? Here's the third one. Talk about zooming in and highlighting things. He likes to set up these expectations that we have in the Christian life. He likes to say, here, listen, if you're going to have this relationship with the Lord, here's a few things he's going to need to do for you in order to keep you happy. It's almost like a contract. Okay, you'll follow the Lord, but the Lord's going to have to meet you halfway. He's going to have to give you uh, a marriage. He's going to have to give you your dream job. He's going to have to have some of your dreams fulfilled. He's going to have to meet you halfway. And if he doesn't, he's not that good. Well, what he's doing is he's setting up this like this this false narrative, and uh, we would call it like a straw man. He's he's building this straw man and basically saying this thing has to happen, even though it's not real. He's going to set up these expe expectations, and which Christ never told us to have. But he's going to say, listen, if God was good, he would allow you to have all of these things. And when those expectations don't happen that way, well, it must be because God's not good. And if he could steer us on that course, and we always see his disappointment in the Christian life, it's not long before we get embittered, before we just start to lose our joy and happiness in the Christian life, and we just start to look around for better things because of so many failed expectations. But Jesus told us the expectation. He said the expectation of the Christian life is that it's going to be narrow. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. But the end is eternal life. It will pay off in the end. But along the journey, there will be thorns. There will be thistles. It's going to hurt. It's going to be lonely. But the devil says, no, that's, that's not how it is. You should have all of these things along the path. There should be fun things. There should be roses. There should be a lot of friends. There should be a lot of happiness, a lot of memories. And if you follow Christ... A lot of those things don't take place. And when those things don't take place, we get disappointed. So all he has to do is set up these failed expectations. And when these failed expectations come into our soul, we go, yeah, wait a minute, what am I doing? I need to have more of the world. I need to have more fun. I need to chase more of my dreams. God would want me to. The fourth thing is, I'm just going to go with this theme. He loves to zoom in on the storms of life. He loves to zoom in on the enemies of life. He loves to zoom in on the hardships of life. I thought about <clears throat> the Old Testament story with Joshua and Caleb and the 10 spies. They, you know, they were told to go into this land and spy it out and, and look at it and, and see what it was like. And 10 of the spies came back and said, oh my word, we can't go into this land. The enemies are huge. They, you know, they're, they're going to kill us. They're going to overtake us. And Joshua and Caleb were the only ones to say, what? No, they're not. We can do this. Ten spies came back with the wrong perspective because the devil zoomed in on the enemy and said, look how big they are. Look at you. Look at them. You're never going to take these enemies. And the devil loves to do that. He loves to focus in on the storms and show us how bad and severe the lightning is and the, the wind is and the rain is and the dark clouds over us are and go, look how painful this is. Look how big your enemies are. Look how hard this is. Look how painful this is. Because... Again, if we see every storm improperly, we'll consider our God not that good or maybe not that near. And the storm really isn't as severe as he's telling us. We're just looking at it improperly. If we zoom out and we can tell that our Lord is in control of the storm, that he's bigger than the enemies, and he's with us in the hardships, it doesn't look that bad. But if we look only at the enemy, only at the hardship, we lose sight of Christ. Here's another one is that the devil loves to lessen the heinousness of sin. Um, 
this one doesn't seem like it's going to actually impact us. We know sin is bad, but we live in a culture that doesn't consider sin bad. We watch media. It's all over the media. It's all over the TV shows and the movies we watch and the books we read. Our friends are doing it. The world is doing it. Our coworkers are doing it. It's like, wow, if everybody's doing it, is it really that bad? I've actually heard people use that logic about things that God says are detestable and profane and an abomination. We look around and go, wow, is it really that bad? Look how many people are doing it. They don't seem like they're that bad of people. And as soon as he lessens the heinousness of sin, we don't mind touching it. We don't mind going near it. And we know that as soon as we dabble with sin, it can capture our soul. But all he has to do is lessen the heinousness of it. All he has to do is act like it's not that big a deal. You know, God's going to forgive or he's not that against it. Or so many people are doing it, so there's no big deal. You know, God's not going to fail the whole classroom. So no big deal. He's been doing that for generations. Number six is he loves to heighten the joy of the now. And what I mean by that is he loves to say to you, whatever you get, whatever you need, you need it now. You need it right now. You need it to be able to touch it and to taste it and to feel it and to sense it right now. We are now kind of people. We want instant feedback in this life. And the Christianity that we're following, that we've listened to, is really kind of the opposite of that. It's like, it's, it's to come. It's, it's later. It's wait. It's be patient. And the devil says, that's a bad version of life. Everyone else can have their stuff now. Everyone else can feel these things now. And you're supposed to wait so he likes to heighten the joy of the now to say, listen, get it now. Have those feelings, have those sensations, have those friends, have those memories now. It's a better way to live. You can taste it. You can sense it. You can feel it right now. You can have it right now. And as soon as we get on that course, man, it's really hard to get off. I told you, like when I drive, it's like I don't know how to be patient when I drive for some reason. I'm still learning that. It's like I have to get wherever I'm getting right now or within five minutes. And if I don't, I just can't handle it. <laughs> Number seven thing the devil loves to do is he, he loves to say to us that if we can't see, it must not be real. If we can't see it, then we don't consider it. If we can't see Jesus, we don't consider Jesus. I mean, it's that simple. It's, it's that base. I mean, we walk around our days and we, we do what's ever right in the field of our vision. I, I pick up my phone because I can touch my phone. I can feel my phone. I can get the feedback I want from my phone. Jesus, I can't see Jesus. I have to serve an unseen Lord, at least physically. And that's tough. And the devil loves to say, listen, if you can't see him, you shouldn't consider him. Because we love to be able to see with our eyes and feel with our hands. And Jesus really isn't that way. We have to walk by faith, not by sight. That's just how the Christian life is. And so the devil loves to say, listen, you just can't, he, he's, not, he's not there, he's not visible. You can't see him. Look at everything else that you can see. And it feels blind. It feels like we're groping around in the dark. And we don't like that feeling. It's not a, it's not a good sensation. But really all he's doing is he's saying it's the opposite of what God says it is. He says it's by sight and not by faith. And so I would say these are things that the devil does. He's doing a lot more than these things, of course. But those seven things that I thought of, that if he just steals, steers our course and our ship that way, there's not much more he has to do. But I'm going to give us seven things to do. Seven things we should do in order to keep a proper perspective 
the rest of our days here in the Christian life. And I mean that. If we do these seven things, if we make these a priority in our, in our life, and it's going to take work, we will have the proper perspective and our actions will follow and we will walk by faith and not by sight. The first one is to think rightly. It all starts here. If we don't think rightly, and this one is being so attacked today because I've never met a generation of people like us. I don't think there's ever been one that is so away from God's word. We have so many things to substitute it with. Even things that seem good, even things that are close to the word of God. It's, it's a chewed up version of it, so it must be just the same, but it's not. When we don't discipline ourselves to get into the word of God, we don't think rightly. And when we don't think rightly, we just simply don't have the proper perspective. We must think correctly. We must understand what Scripture says. We must be able to test the things that are told us in this life, whether physically or spiritually. And if we can't, we're sitting ducks. We're going to have the wrong perspective. We're not going to follow Jesus to the end. We must learn how to think biblically, be trained by the words of the Bible, by the Scripture, by the things that God has said that is right and true and pure if we can't discipline ourselves for whatever reason we've mentioned here today, we're never going to steer correctly. We're never going to think properly. We're never going to have the proper perspective. We must discipline ourselves. Here's another thing we must do. We must be actively remembering. We must daily discipline ourselves to remember. Again, one of the things the devil loves us to do is just forget and neglect. It doesn't seem that bad when we do that. It's like, whoops. But I think the devil, I think, excuse me, I think God wants us to actively remember, to wake up every single day and to consider what he's done for us, to consider what he's taught us. I, I, I know that takes work. And if we don't fall backwards into remembrance, we have to actively pursue remembering. But that's one way to keep a proper perspective. Remember what he's done. Remember where he's brought you. Remember what he's taught you. Remember the lesson on Sunday. That's why we do these podcasts, because we need to actively remember. I need to actively remember. Even though I am a pastor and I'm the one preaching, I have to actively remember what I've preached, what God has taught me. I have to. If I don't actively remember, I forget and I neglect and my perspective is then off. Number three, to go along with that, we need to count our blessings. The Lord taught us that. He trained us that way to say, count your blessings Count them, consider them, write them down, think about them. It goes along with remembering. When you count your blessings, you consider how good God is. You consider how faithful, how loving he's been to you. When you take things for granted, you don't. You just don't. And when you don't count your blessings, you lose sight of God. When you count your blessings, there's no, not a chance you could lose sight of God. Because he's the, he's the one giving you these things. He's the author. He's the giver of all the things that are good in your life. And as soon as you remember the blessings, you remember the giver of the blessings. So count your blessings. I mean, seriously, make a list. Sit down with a friend and say, you know what? It's good for us to have this as a practice of our lives. Let's today think of as many things as we can that God has given us that is good. Because by doing so, our perspective will be good and proper. And we will love Jesus based on that. Now we can zoom in. I told you the devil loves to zoom in on things. That's, that's something he just loves to do. But we can do this too. We can zoom in on the person of Jesus. Because every time you look at Jesus, every time you see his worth and his value, boy, it changes your perspective. It, it puts everything in the proper perspective. You see clearly. 
I remember that old song. You guys remember the old song that says, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. When we look at Jesus, it's kind of what that is. When we see Jesus, when we see his worth, when we read about him, when we remember him, when we see what God considers and says about Jesus Christ, boy, we think rightly. That's the best practice for me, I think, of all of them. Is when I look at the value and the worth of my Lord Jesus, when I consider what he did on the cross, when I consider the scars that he still has for the sake of my sin, when I consider that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, that he holds the key to death and Hades, that he is right now sustaining the universe, sustaining my very breath, I start to consider how valuable he is. And I start to have the proper perspective. That's a really important one. Zoom in, macro, highlight the Lord Jesus Christ. And it won't be long before you're praising him. And that, that's where we're going now. Is we need to thank him. Rejoice in him. Talk to him daily. If we're in communication with the Lord, we're not going to forget the Lord. The problem is, is a lot of times we aren't in communication with the Lord. We don't talk to him. Maybe it's because, again, we can't see him. But what if we did? What if every single day we talked to him? But what if every single hour we talked to him? Or once an hour we thanked him for something? We rejoiced in something? What if we were in constant communication with our Lord? Doesn't it seem to reason that we would have the right perspective? I think it does. I think that's why Jesus says to us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says in Colossians, to abound in thanksgiving. He tells us all the time to ask, seek, and knock, to pray continually because he knows that by doing so we will keep the proper perspective. Here's another one is we need to lessen the joy of the now because Jesus taught us to. He said in Matthew 7, Do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He said your life is like a vapor. He said, don't love the world or the things in the world because they pass away. We have to remember that the joy of the now is not that good. It's a fleeting passion. We need to be eternal investors. We need to know what it's like to put joy away for a later time, for a better time, for a longer time. And to say now, it's about obedience. It's about following Christ. My joy is coming and when it comes, it's going to be eternal. But I'm going to put the joy of the now away. That doesn't mean there's not joy in the Christian life. There definitely is. What I'm talking about is that instant gratification that we get from the world. Oh, okay, we get it. It's immediate. It's It makes us smile for a little bit. And then it fades. And then we got to go get it again. we got to go find something else that can do the same thing. We have to constantly get that fix. Because it doesn't last. It's temporary. And we need to learn the, the joy of investing. I mean, people do that in the physical realm. They know what it's like to put money away. You could spend money right now on things that you want to buy, but as soon as you get it, it depreciates and your money goes away and then you don't have it later on. Or you could save it. And by saving it, you can increase it. And by increasing it, you can become richer. And by becoming richer, you can actually make your money last longer. But what if we did that in a spiritual realm? What if we actually invested eternally and said, I'm not worried about getting the joy and the pleasure now. That stuff is okay for some things, but I'm going to get most of my joy on the other side. I'm going to get most of my treasures on the other side. I'm going to make sure that when I get to heaven, I am not empty-handed. I am not treasureless. That all of my joy and all of my treasures are waiting for me because they're eternal. 
And the way that I do that is actually by sacrificing the now for the sake of the Lord. And by doing so, I invest. And by investing, I will be rich forevermore. That's number six. Here's one more. Count the days. Wait for Jesus. Consider how brief we are here upon this planet. I mean, I'm 39 years old. I, I got to this age faster than I thought I would. And 40 is knocking on the door. <laughs> the days go fast. The years go fast. The weeks go fast. My children grow up faster than I think they will. Time zooms by. And Jesus taught us to count the days. Consider the brevity. Wait for Jesus. Remember, he said, I can come back at any hour. I'm going to come back like a thief in the night. I'm going to come back. It's going to be a day just like today that you don't think or consider anything profound is going to happen. And the sky's going to open and the Lord's going to descend and he's going to come back. And everything is going to be eternal from that point on. Everything's going to be permanent. Count the days. Wait for Jesus. That is a really good discipline. If we count the days, if we consider the brevity of our time here on the earth, we will have the proper perspective. And man, if we can replace these seven things with the seven things the devil is doing, or if we can even just have our shill of faith up against his seven perversions, we are going to have the proper perspective. And by having the proper perspective, we're going to have our actions follow. We're going to love the Lord. The reason we don't love the Lord is simply because most times our perspective is wrong. We're steering our ship in a wrong direction. And that wrong direction is going to lead us to a wrong destination. And we might not realize it until the end, unless today we wake up and say, stop. This is wrong. I am going the wrong way. This is not what the Lord taught me to do. This is not how he trained me to think. This stuff is not as good as the devil says it is. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to remember his great worth. I'm going to remember that he's crucial to my soul, that he's the most valuable thing that I could ever experience, and that Jesus is the very nature of my life and my hope. I hope that we would all make that a practice of our daily lives. I hope this blesses you. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.